Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Tyler Tischler with Superior Book Promotions. And I'm Victor Volkman with Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 97 in our series. Tonight's topic is Writing and Publishing, Christian-Based Books, and our special guest is Paul Muckley. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear your questions and comments about tonight's show. Please send them on to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we're on the line with Paul Muckley, who is the Senior Editor for Nonfiction at Barber Publishing, overseeing projects ranging from Bible reference to children's activity books, daily devotionals to Bible crosswords and word searches. He's been with Barber since 1998. Paul and his wife, Lori, have three adopted children and like to serve as unofficial ambassadors for adoption. Well, good evening, Paul, and welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you, Paul, because I, uh, I have some idea of what Christian uh, fiction and nonfiction are. But um, for starters, could you just kind of give us a little bit of a, a definition of, I guess, what, a, what exactly would you consider to be the audience for Christian books? And can you give us some idea of how big of an audience that is? That is a pretty broad demographic. Um, you know, I think you could break down the, the Christian audience uh, a bit like you would uh, the political voting blocks. Uh, you, know, you have the bigger divisions uh, in politics that would be Republican and Democrat or, or liberal and conservative. And within those, there are some smaller divisions. Uh, you know, on the conservative side, you'd have the social conservatives and the fiscal conservatives and the, the national defense conservative. You see some of those similar divisions among the, the Christian audience. You, you do have a uh, theologically and politically more conservative group. You do have a politically and theologically more more liberal group. So um, my particular publishing house, uh, the, the employer I work for, Barber Publishing, comes from a more conservative viewpoint. It's a more traditional Protestant evangelical uh, uh, viewpoint, and uh, that would be the, the group that we run with, uh, the, the Sondervans and the Tyndales and the Baker Book Houses of the, the publishing world. But, but, you know, even within the, um, uh, the group uh, that, that we're a part of, there are uh, charismatic and non-charismatic publishers. There are denominational publishers, whether that's Baptist or Lutheran or Wesleyan. So there are really a lot of stripes within the Christian publishing world. And, uh, and beyond, again, what, uh, what I particularly work for, that you would have Catholic publishers as well. You would have more liberal Protestant publishers. So there's really a wide variety of viewpoints within that phrase, uh, Christian audience. Okay, well that that uh, that makes sense to me, and it's uh, it leads me to my next question. Can you tell us a little bit about what you exactly would define as a Christian book? Is is there a certain um, amount of uh, like a certain percentage of the book that has to have Christian themes, or um, are there certain things that it does or that it it cannot include, or uh, you know, are, are there? Uh, is it, does it have to be what we would consider like family entertainment based with, uh, you know, no sex, no swear words, or what, what are some of the key elements? Well, I would answer that as kind of all of the above, actually. There are a lot of uh, different types of Christian books, and uh, some are going to be very heavily uh, Bible-oriented. There's going to be a lot of scripture references in them. 
Others will have very little, but um, you know, our perspective, at least uh, at Barber Publishing, uh, we say that the the idea of a Christian book implies that our our faith, our Christian faith, that evangelical Protestant viewpoint colors whatever is in that book. Um, not every book that we do is designed to proselytize. You know, not every book is designed to, to try to convert readers uh, to our viewpoint. Uh, on occasion, we will do that, but. I would say that every book we produce is, in our mind, it's going to be consistent with uh, the, the Bible truth as we understand it, the, the, the Bible truth that informs our faith. So, um, you know, we're, we're always trying to apply biblical truth to our everyday lives. And I would say in a fiction uh, context, um, you know, we might have a, a book about a, a police officer who investigates murders, uh, but, but somehow there, you know, that story is going to comport with some biblical truth that that, that murder is an evil and that, that justice is a positive thing. So that, that might be how the, the biblical truth applies there. Um, we at Barber do a lot of uh, devotional books, and uh, those, uh, all of them are designed to, I would say, encourage or challenge readers to, to live out their Christian faith in, in a more positive and productive way. Um, if it's Bible reference, uh, we're trying to explain the scriptures so that readers can get a better understanding of their faith. If, if they know the Bible better, uh, they can apply it to their daily lives better and hopefully, again, have a more uh, positive and in uh, Christian life. So, again, I would say a Christian book is informed uh, by our understanding of the Christian faith. It, it's trying to apply the message of the Bible to everyday lives. But, but that's going to take a, a really different, uh, it's going to take a different tack uh, depending on the kind of book it is, whether it's uh, a fiction title, or whether it's some kind of an entertainment type of book or a devotional book. Uh, again, it's, it's really a wide variety. Okay, so so back to the audience. How do you, I guess, how how do you determine who your audience is, who you're going to market the book to, and how do you reach that audience? Like, I'm I'm thinking about. I, I would think if I want a Christian book, the the obvious place to go would be the Christian bookstore. And like here in Marquette, we have. We have a Christian bookstore, and then we have a, I guess what I would consider a Catholic bookstore. And I don't think they carry really the same, like a crossover of books. But then I also have seen, you know, places like Walmart has quite a large section that I guess is probably more inspirational books, but they would have books there like uh, The Purpose Driven Life, for example. So what uh, when, the, when the bookstores are looking for books, you know, what, how, how do they categorize them, and, and is that the main place that the, the Christian audience would go to, to find them as a Christian bookstore? Yeah, that's a great question. In the 11 or 12 years that, that I've been in the industry, uh, since I started with Barber in 1998, it, it's, it's really amazing how much the, the Christian publishing world has changed. When, when I first started, I would say probably about two-thirds of all of our books went to... Um, specifically uh, Protestant Christian bookstores. Um, since that time, that number has dwindled considerably. Many, many more of our books are going to places like Walmart um, or Barnes & Noble, or they're being sold on Amazon.com. And so the, the Christian bookstore market, uh, what, what's called the CBA, the Christian Bookseller Association, uh, it has become a lot less of our, uh, as a percentage of, of who we sell to. I do think, though, that um, a lot of Christian publishers, again, those that I'm more familiar with, those in the uh, Evangelical Christian Publisher Association, um, they are selling more and more books in the, the more secular marketplaces, whether it's Walmart or Sam's Club. 
and the books are taking a more inspirational tack. Um, I, I want to believe that we're all still being faithful to the, the, the Christian message that we know and believe, but we are trying to package it and market it in a way maybe that uh, somebody who doesn't necessarily call himself or herself a Christian uh, would still be interested in picking it up and uh, you know maybe just finding a way to apply that, that ancient wisdom of the Bible to their lives. So um, we do still keep a, a very close eye on the, the Christian bookstores. Uh, obviously, that's a very important uh, uh, area for us, and we know, I think, just by experience, pretty much what the, the people who shop there are, are looking for in books, but uh, we are trying to broaden that audience as well to those who, who would go beyond what, what is traditionally a Christian bookstore market. Right, that makes sense. Making the uh, the message more accessible is, is perfectly, perfectly a great idea. I wanted to ask you, Paul, a little bit about uh, distribution. I know vaguely that there are some Christian book distributors there. Does does Barber does it do its own distribution, or do you work through Christian distributors, or do you work through the the generic distributors? Well, yeah, there is a combination. Actually, we we do have our own sales team and we have our own fulfillment, and uh, there is a lot of uh, activity going on in in both of those areas. We also do, though, deal through uh, uh, their, I'm guessing, four or five major Christian distributors. A lot of our books are going to them and into the, the bookstores and consumers ultimately. And uh, I believe we're dealing with, with a few of the more general distributors as well. Um, you know, we're, we're happy to get the books out in any way we can, and uh, that's, uh, uh, that's just using our own resources and the distributors that are there. Great. So, I mean, given that there is, you mentioned in the earlier part of the interview, there are just many, many different uh, Christian publishers, uh, each with their own niche. Do you have any guidelines to, in terms of finding the, the right publisher for, the, for your manuscript? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the key there is, is just to research. Um, it, it's interesting sitting in the editor's chair, uh, seeing the types of proposals and submissions that come in on a regular basis, you can tell that some people have done their homework. They have researched who Barber is and what we do, and uh, they, they've given us a good proposal that, that makes sense for us. And then there are a lot of them that don't make any sense at all. So I would say for a uh, prospective author, the first thing to do is, is just get on publishers' websites. That, that's such a, such a wealth of information these days. You can find out if the publisher... Uh, and the author really have a, an agreement in terms of the philosophical approach, the theological approach. And then after that, uh, once you have found a publisher that does seem to, to align with uh, your own views as a writer, I think you also want to look very carefully at what their list looks like, to, to look at the type of books that they're putting out there, because even though you might have a, a philosophical agreement with a publisher, there, there may be a, a real marketing difference between what they do and the, the manuscript that, that you've written. Um, just as an example, you know, Barber is uh, very much a, uh, a mass market publisher. We, we try to put books out there that have a very general appeal. Um, somebody could come to us with a, a manuscript for a, a commentary on the Old, Te Old Testament book of Obadiah. Um, that, that's not going to work for us. Even if we have a philosophical agreement on, on theological principles, we're not going to publish a book that, that's that specialized. So... I would really just encourage authors to, to just do that homework, to take the time, 
really find out uh, where there's agreement, and, and honestly, in, in the end, that's going to save them, I think, a lot of uh, money and, and frustration, probably, if they do that up front. Yep, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, a quick look through the front list, and if you don't see anything like your book, you know, probably they're not going to be interested in it. Yeah, there's probably a reason for that. Let's talk a little bit about book proposals themselves. Are all the elements the same that you'd expect to find, like a competitive analysis, or, or what things really make a book proposal stand out for you? I do think there are some pretty consistent elements. Um, uh, you know, you start with your cover letter, just introducing yourself and your project. Um, there is the uh, competitive analysis often. There's uh, uh, usually some kind of an annotated outline. Um, those things are, are pretty consistent, I would think, for just about any type of publisher and any publishing house. I know that for me as a, an editor, we get so many proposals in that uh, I would say that once you get past the, the basic outline of the thing, you, you just want to make sure that you're doing it right. Um, sloppiness is a real no-no. I, I think a lot of times the editors are just looking for a reason to dismiss something. So... Uh, if there are typos or, or if the, the paper is uh, torn or stained or whatever, you know, those are just bad things. And it, it seems so so basic to say that, but, but uh, you would be surprised to see how many uh, things like that we, we do get in. Um, I've often said a book proposal is a lot like a resume. It's got to be perfect, and you've got to make that, that first impression. So uh, really put the effort into doing it right. Uh, once you get all the information together, then, then just put it together in a very nice, clean package. Well, I completely agree with you there, Paul. I, I'm, I'm always surprised by um, the lack of uh, professionalism that I see at times. And, you know, it, 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 it's absolutely critical to, to have a professional-looking proposal. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. And when we introduced you, we, we mentioned that some of the projects that you oversee are um, children's activity books, daily devotionals, Bible crosswords, and word searches. And I, that kind of surprised me. I, I uh, hadn't really thought about Christian books being other than um, just basic fiction and nonfiction books with chapters geared towards adults. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, children's books that you that you publish and then these other kind of more activity books, crossword puzzles, those sorts of things, and uh, you know how you market those and who the audience is for those. Sure. There is a category of books that, at least internally, we call entertainment books. Um, that they would be obviously lighter and, and less uh, intense than perhaps a, a chapter book would be. Um, but we believe there's a place, too, for just uh, even incorporating the, the Bible and, and the Christian faith into just some leisure time type things. So uh, whether it's a kid's activity book or an adult-oriented uh, word search or crossword book, um, we, we do a number of those, and, and they're, they're quite well received. Um, in terms of the kids' activity books, um, they tend to be for the ages of about 6 to 10. Um, we do a lot of crossword and word search type of things. Uh, obviously, the, the puzzles are much smaller and more age-appropriate than, than a larger adult book would be. Uh, those are typically illustrated with, with line art uh, just to kind of make things fun and interesting. There's usually some kind of a theme throughout the book. It might be about prayer, or it might be about God's love, or it might be about the book of John from the Bible. 
And so um, we, we find that uh, those tend to be popular. I think a lot of times parents who are wanting to uh, pass the faith on to their kids, they, they just look at that as an entertaining and uh, a worthwhile way of doing that. A lot of times uh, churches use those. Sunday school teachers will use those in their programs. And, and with those kind of books, we, we often even put a notice on the copyright page that says that the pages are reproducible uh, you know, for a non-commercial church use. So um, the, the kids' activity books, uh, we've been doing those for a long time, and, and they're well-received. I, I think, again, just a good way to, to introduce kids to some of those uh, elements of the faith, and it's a fun way of doing it. On the adult side, um, you know, crosswords and word searches have been around in, in newspapers and in and book form forever and ever, and we just put a Christian spin on it. The, the crossword puzzles would contain probably about uh, two-thirds uh, specifically Bible-based clues. Uh, it's almost impossible to make a puzzle that's entirely uh, clues from the Bible, so we sprinkle in some other types of clues at times. The word search puzzles uh, tend to be uh, words all found in the Bible. Uh, sometimes we'll, we'll have a list of things, as with a traditional word search. Sometimes we pull out a scripture passage and just highlight words to find. And again, those are well-received. Um, we, we've done a lot of those books over the years, and they sell very consistently. Most of those, I would say, are probably going to the, the CBA, the Christian Bookseller Association stores. Um, I don't think we've ever placed a lot of those uh, with the, the general retailers because they are a little more specialized, but uh, the, the people in the Christian bookstore sure find them and seem to enjoy them. Yeah, you know, Paul, as you're, as you're talking, I said I was kind of surprised um, that you publish those books, but now I'm, you're, you're giving me all these uh, memories of being a kid myself and all the all the Bible coloring books that my parents would buy me that we'd get at church. And I remember reading the Arch books. I don't know if those are still yes. around, but yes. I, I had probably 30 or 40 of them and loved them and had them practically all memorized. And um, yeah, and Bible trivia games that we used to play at camp and all kinds of things. So those, I, those I can definitely, I can definitely see they had an influence on me. Um, so my next question then is, can you, can you tell us a little bit um about fiction, Christian fiction specifically, and if one is writing a, a novel, say um, they want to they want to publish a Christian novel, are there certain subjects that they should or shouldn't uh, use? For example, um, is it okay to to tell a story about a, a drug user or a um, you know to, to people? I guess more on the seedy side of life, we'd say, and are are those are those characters or those sorts of topics something that we should exclude from a Christian novel? That's a great question. And again, it's interesting what I've seen over the 11 or 12 years that I've been in Christian publishing. It seems like there has been much more openness over the last few years to deal with those grittier topics, the darker side of life. I do know that you know right now my publishing company, Barber, tends to focus more on what, what we call kind of a sweet romance. Those are kind of innocent and uh, gentle, wholesome stories. But uh, I know in the Christian world there are a lot of novels that, that are addressing things like drug use or, or murder or, you know, human trafficking. I mean, there are some, some titles out there that are pretty heavy and, and, and really uh, would have been probably pretty shocking in the Christian world uh, a few years earlier than that. I think the big difference, though, in, in dealing with those real-life issues, those are certainly things that, uh, that are happening in the world today, 
Um, people uh, inside and, and outside the church are, are dealing with some of these issues in their own lives. The big difference, I think, is just that the, there's a, a worldview in the Christian fiction that uh, it just has the perspective that there is a God. He's active in people's lives. Uh, he's helping them through the hardships. And, of course, the, the big philosophical question is, you know, what, why does God allow hardships? Uh, you know, our perspective, at least, is that he does, and, and he walks people through that. And, and I think in, in Christian fiction, at least in the, the, the form that I'm familiar with, that the underlying message is, yeah, there are hardships in life, there are bad things and, and bad situations, but there is some redeeming value here, and it's that God is working through those things. Um, I, I will say that I, I think Christian fiction, uh, most of the publishers that, that I would be familiar with, they would avoid gratuitous scenes of uh, whether it's sex or violence or, or profanity, um, that they may allow reference to these things, you know, that, that some bad thing has happened or some immoral situation has occurred, but, but it would never be uh, played up or glorified in any way. I think that's uh, one of the differences, too, that you'll see between uh, perhaps secular and Christian. Okay, yeah, that's, a, that's a good example, kind of like in the, the old days in the movies, they'd go in the bedroom and shut the door and the camera cut away. It's right, sort of it's what less of the, the reader's or the, the viewer's imagination, mm -hmm. I guess. Right. Okay, so um, I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit more about how you market Christian books? And specifically, I'm, I'm wondering, how do you get around the hurdle of readers who might say, oh, well, this is a Christian novel. I don't want to read it because it's a Christian novel. The, the ones that are perhaps not as open to Christian fiction. Or do you just assume that you're, you're writing, well, the books that you're writing are like preaching to the choir. The people that are going to buy them are already in your, in your congregation. I think in Barber's case, uh, especially, that the latter tends to be more true. We, we know that, uh, that there is a pretty... A good market for uh, the types of things that we're doing. Um, they know that we produce books that, that they believe they can trust. Uh, they like the storyline, but they also like to know that they're not going to be surprised or shocked by anything that they find there. So uh, I, I think at least in, in, in our company's situation, more often than not, we're just saying, hey, you know, we know you, you know us, and, and it's a good combination there. Uh, there are probably other publishers in the Christian world who are trying to reach out in other ways and uh, you know, maybe trying to address uh, some of the people who, who wouldn't already be in the choir, as you say. But uh, our perspective is uh, we, we, just, we know who that audience is and they know who we are, and that works out. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, Paul, I'd like to just <clears throat> browse through your catalog a little bit. I've been uh, surfing online while we're here, and I see you guys have a a complete line of, of Amish books, including romance and children's books and, and all kinds of things. Uh, how did uh, Barbara get involved in that particular area? And is that, you know, only popular with people Amish or people who are fascinated by the Amish? There are a lot of people uh, who seem to just be fascinated by the Amish lifestyle. Um, Barber Publishing is in Uricksville, Ohio, which is only about 20 miles away from Ohio's Amish country. And uh, so we're, we're really very close to um, that culture. And if I understand correctly, I think Ohio's Amish country is actually the, the largest one in the country. Um, 
We did, uh, uh, years ago, begin uh, working with a, a lady named Wanda Brunstetter, who uh, she just has a fascination with the Amish world, and she wrote a few general um, fiction books for us, but, but then proposed a, an Amish romance, and uh, we decided to publish that, and it has been just uh, very, very well received. And so uh, Wanda's books, uh, she's... I don't know, she's probably got the eight or ten of them out at this point that uh, are full-length Amish fiction titles. Um, those books uh, just, just are, are very popular, and uh, I, I, I know that there are some Amish people themselves who read her books, but I think more and more of that is just uh, people who are really intrigued by that quieter and more simple lifestyle, and uh, those, those have been very popular books with us. Oh, great. That's a really uh, happy coincidence. I, I'd forgotten you were so close to Amish country. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, young adult slash teen market and uh, and how you, you go after that particular segment. That's kind of a new area for us. We, we've not done a lot of uh, books in that uh, area for, for a number of years, but we are trying right now to break into that with some uh, contemporary fiction, it seems like maybe the uh, fiction is the best way to approach that. And I do know that the, the books that are in production right now are, they're a little on the grittier side, as, as we were talking earlier. Um, we're, we're talking about some teenagers. Um, and, uh, you know, perhaps the issue is either cheating in school or, or maybe it gets uh, a, a little heavier than that and it's uh, performance-enhancing drugs for uh, a teenage uh, swim champion. So, um, that's the kind of thing we're trying to get into now is just uh, kind of a fiction-based thing. Um, that there are some other things in the works with, with our company, at least, that would be a little more uh, devotional and uh, uh, you know, some things that are dealing with uh, some of the harder issues of life from a, a nonfiction perspective. But um, it, it will be interesting to see if we're able to break in there. I, I do know that... Uh, um, you know, it's, it's a different generation now, and I think that uh, these teens are looking for things that are very real, and uh, we're hoping that uh, having these books that really address the real topics, that, that we'll be able to break through to them. Great. And, and the last one, children segment I wanted to ask you about is, I see you have this series of books, Sisters in Time, and it's it uh, has a couple of different authors contributing to it. Is it possible for a... Uh, uh, author to you know submit into one of these types of series and and how do these series work? The Sisters in Time series was uh, actually written by uh, it might have been eight or ten different writers. Uh, I think we have a total of twenty four books in that series, and uh, that was a, a project that we uh, concepted at Barber, and, and then uh, the the work was actually assigned out uh, to different freelance writers. Um, that's uh, often the case with a series like that. The, the publisher kind of creates the idea and then, then finds the people to write for it. Um, the, the series itself is about uh, its American history. It, it's fictional girls who are written into real situations in American history, whether that's uh, the Boston Massacre or uh, something as late as uh, something that happened during World War II. Um, we really like that series. We think it's a good uh, way to introduce girls to history. Um, our, our understanding is that homeschoolers have really enjoyed that. Uh, the, the people who teach their kids at home kind of like that combination of American history and, and Christian values. Um, there are some other uh, 
things uh, like that on the list, uh, some series-oriented things. Uh, people are always welcome to submit. Um, I, I don't want to say that they, they couldn't do that, but a lot of times uh, the series are things that uh, are, are being assigned. And so um, it, it's, it's challenging to break in uh, to any publishing house. I'm sure if uh, your, your authors there have, have tried, they, they find that uh, it's not an easy thing, but it's always worth a try. I, I never want to discourage anybody from, from trying. Great, Paul. Well, I'm I'm curious then about the the authors um, themselves that you whose books you publish. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what their role is in terms of marketing the books? Once the books are are actually published, what do you expect the authors to do? And what are what would be some advice for authors writing Christian books, whether they're fiction or nonfiction, to help them market their books? We do have uh, a number of authors who are very active in promoting their books, and they're, they're doing that in a number of ways. Uh, some of them are setting up their own author appearances, uh, book signings at bookstores, or, or maybe they're appearing at some kind of a Christian conference. They've got a table set up. Um, those public appearances and personal appearances are great. Uh, a lot of them are using the Internet these days. Um, Facebook seems to be a huge thing these days where people are connecting with more and more people. They're, they're putting information about their books out there and, and getting people to follow on that. I'm not personally into the, the whole Twittering business, but I, I know that some of the authors are beginning to do those types of things as well. Uh, some of them have set up their own whole websites, but uh, I do think that social networking aspect of things is, is what really drives people to the, the information either on a website or, or, or on Facebook. Um, there are other things that uh, they can do. Uh, we, we encourage the authors oftentimes to send us a, a list of influencers, uh, people that they know who would be in, in positions, of, positions of authority or, or uh, uh, notoriety where, where they could help to get the message out. So oftentimes in, in our world at least, those are pastors of larger churches or people who are involved in different kinds of ministries, maybe a radio ministry or a speaking ministry. Uh, there really are just a number of things that can be done, but uh, I really think that the computer these days is, is such a great tool, and if people can get on those social networking sites and, and take full advantage of them, that's, that's a very good way to go. And I assume, Paul, there must be Christian social networking sites out there. I'm not familiar with any, but I, I would imagine there must be. You know, that there probably are, but I, I, I'm not terribly familiar with those myself. Um, I, I do know that a number of our authors are, are using Facebook. Uh, they're out there with that. And um, there are some uh, opportunities even through Amazon. Uh, you know, they have some author uh, aspects on their website. So uh, there's, there's all kinds of options and opportunities, but um, it does seem to me that uh, Facebook is, is really the big deal right now. Uh, almost everybody is familiar with it, and uh, everybody seems to be turning there. Right. Well, I have one last question for you. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about um, what you think, uh, maybe, maybe even a little bit of a difference between how, what um, the, the publishing market is right now for Christian books compared to what it was, say, 10 or 20 years ago, and in what direction do you think it's going? Or do you think you'll be going more towards, you know, e-books, books on Kindle, or, you know, even in terms of content? Um, what do you see as the future? 
Well, that's a good question. If I knew that, uh, <laughs> if I had a really good idea there, I might be able to uh, to retire early. I, I do think that, uh, that the book market is always changing. Um, I, I think one thing that we all need to be aware of is just the, the changing of the generations and how the, the generations approach information differently. I, I think the way books look and feel is going to change Um and that may be that it becomes an ebook or some kind of an on-screen book. Although maybe I'm just old-fashioned enough to believe that uh, ink on paper will always be around. I, I think that's that's always going to be there uh, in a an important way. But I also believe that the generations are changing such that it becomes more electronic. Um, in the Christian world, as I mentioned earlier, the the Christian bookstores, uh, which used to be such a, a large percentage of our sales. Um, they are struggling in a lot of ways. There's a lot more uh, competition from the larger retailers, whether it's an online thing like Amazon or whether it's Walmart. And I think a lot of the Christian publishers are, are going to be trying to find ways of, of really reaching out to the, the broader market and, and getting beyond just the walls of the, the church people. So uh, I would look for books that uh, really have a lot more life application or a lot more practical value, I think, um, just to say, you know, here is how to live a better life and, and, and maybe coming in the back door, oh, by the way, it's, it's found in the Bible and, and you know, it's in the message of, of Jesus. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, just adjustments like that as, as uh, you know, people change and society changes, the, the books are going to have to follow along and, and hopefully find ways to, to do that successfully. Well, great. Thank you so much for being uh, with on the program with us, Paul. It's been a real education. And again, for our listeners, uh, you can learn more about their Barber Publishing at barberbooks.com. That's B-A-R-B-O-U-R, books.com. And uh, it's just been wonderful to have you. Thank you. I've enjoyed this. Great. Okay, you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back next time when our topic will be getting into the greeting card market, and our special guest will be Kate Harper. You can learn more about all of our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear your questions and comments about tonight's show. Please send them on to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. For Superior Book Promotions, this is Tyler Tischler in Marquette, Michigan. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.